Welcome to the Bloody Pit. I am Rod Barnett. Tonight, there are three of us, so uh, hang on to your hats. With me tonight, to my left, is... John Hudson. To my right... Troy Gwynn. And uh, what time of the year is it, folks? It's Hess time. Hess, 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 Hess time. <laughs> Merry Hesmas, I mean, everybody. Yeah. Oh, you're talking, you're Hesmas. Merry Hesmas. Merry Hesmas. Yes, it's... <laughs> Holiday horrors, folks. It's, yeah. once again, our annual tradition. Lump of coal... <laughs> Grape seed? Yeah, you be the judge. We'll Brownie? Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Pish Lamborghini? This year, folks, once and, again. Am I right that this is one that none of us had seen before, right? Or right. Had you, okay, that's I what I thought. Seen, oh, none, thought. Of, oh, none of us have. None of us had seen it before. Yes, this, okay. It was actually nice to have an excuse to. Because I've had the, the Blu ray for you know, two or three years, I guess. Okay. But, I, I think this is the only movie I own that I haven't had a chance to watch. I believe that. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'll buy that 100%. So I, was, I Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. I No one believes that. <laughs> so it was nice to like, okay, no. now I'm going to watch that. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. now the mystery is revealed. You have now seen To All a Good Night from 1980, which is weird. It's so early in the cycle of slasher films. And yet it feels like... It feels it, like it. It came in the. It feels like yeah. it would be. It's so eighties and so. Oh yeah. It just feels, it feels like, like so, feels so much later. like a late late eighties. Uh, like it, it feels the tail end of a of a, of a genre, not the at the early stages. But this film's uh, a groundbreaker. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It broke ground, and then other people plowed it more effectively later <laughs> on. <laughs> much much more effectively, of which I will well, prattle on about myself. But. Well, the, First thing I just have right off the bat is, according to IMDb, and we all know everything in IMDb is true, but... Oh, it's all ironclad true, yeah. Released January 1980. Boy, did somebody screw up somewhere on the line. I'm looking at it thinking, like, I think somebody yeah. got their calendar. It's like, this oh. released in... Did somebody missed a boat somewhere. Put, when should we put January? this movie out? I know. Let's put it out right after Being December. Honest, luckily, though, that's the only thing that went wrong with The movie. only thing. Every, otherwise, it was, <laughs> otherwise, it was spot on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, well, the thing is, though, that makes me feel a little bit better about the film. And I learned that. Mm-hmm. It made me realize, okay, definitely then it was shot in 1979, mm-hmm. which gives me... Uh, 
it, it gives kind of a, a, a the same feeling I have for the way things look in, say, the original Friday the 13th, mm. which, although it came out in 1980, it really does feel like the tag end of the 70s when you look at the clothes mm. and just the way it was shot. Mm. And it was, it was one of those things where it's like you're in this, with that film at least, you're mm. off in a rural area. And so some of the stuff that you see in it, like the, the older model trucks and stuff like that, was because you're in a rural area. You mm. understand that. But... The, the clothing and kind of the, the, the way the people act, it's like that felt more 70s than 80s. And with the 80s, it's just, I don't know what it is. There's something about the 80s where I just need neon. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, this film's not, it doesn't have that candy color, yeah. you know, candy cane oh, no. color look to it there. It's, it's yeah, pretty, you're and, right. Well, it's, chocolate's a candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what well, we have here yeah. is, um, once again, you guys, the two of you, decided on this film or did you just leave oh, it up to Hudson blaming Mission? us. <laughs> <laughs> or some blaming you. Honestly, I don't remember who first suggested this, to tell you the truth. And that's a, I, I think it was just really great minds thought alike. Yeah, I think so too. I think somebody had the, I think somebody who's outed himself already had the Blu-ray <laughs> yeah, that's true. Somebody, and wanted an excuse because, to Because I can honestly say I had never heard of the film before. I, so. had, I had never heard of it either. Did you know of it before it came out on Blu-ray, or was this a mystery to you? Had you seen it in the past, or, I had or not heard seen of it in it. the past? Um, the only real knowledge that I had of it was working at the used record store where I work. A few years ago, we had a VHS of it come in. Okay. And I saw a slasher movie I haven't really heard of, and directed by David Hess. Mm-hmm. And then I just sort of filed that knowledge away. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the VHS, yeah. actually, mm-hmm. I took home, and it had been mangled, so that <laughs> the first ten minutes were missing. So I just promptly... Took it out of the VCR and forgot yeah. about it and threw it away. But when it came out on Blu-ray, oh, I gotta have that mm. to put on the shelf and not watch. <laughs> like, like only one or two other films. I'm yeah. Sure. Well, yes. that was the only one. Like I said, I've seen yeah. all the others. Oh well, yeah. And no one believes that. So, uh, we when you brought this up, when this film was brought up and the suggestion was made, the first thing that anybody says is it was directed by David Hess. Yeah. And of course, David Hess, famous, uh, became. Most famous, of course, for his starring role as Krug in mm. Last House on the Left. But also, he did quite a number of other things. Uh, folks, here's a little information about David Hess. If all you know him from is Last House on the Left, be aware that he wrote a lot of songs for Elvis movies. Mm-hmm. Which should creep you right the fuck out. <laughs> if it didn't, I don't know what else to tell you to get you weirded out. Because that is always a little strange. It's like... I have that comedy image of Elvis in my head of all Elvis movies where it's like he's a farmer and suddenly he just he's standing in front of a bunch of cows, breaks in the song, and the cows are, you know, mm. like <laughs> moving back and forth in time with the song behind him in the field or something. That's what I picture now. That's David Hess. Yeah. Well, he also wrote a really big hit for uh, Pat Boone, Speed Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. And I think he may, I, and now I can't remember the song. You might remember. He was the first person to record one of Elvis's hits. Before Elvis, and it may have been Don't Be Cruel or All mm. Shook Up. One of those, Hess actually recorded it first, mm-hmm. and then Elvis did it just a little bit later. Which is really bizarre to think that David Hess was around that long. I know, I know. It was all shook up. He didn't write it, but he did the, He did a recording uh, of it yeah, before Elvis. Yeah, a recording Elvis, of it yeah. earlier, which is really bizarre. Well, actually, a uh, funny thing, too, is the publishing company I work for actually... At one point, and maybe still do, I don't know, but I mean, if I know for a long time, they we handled his publishing, his song publishing. So I, I would, I knew people that I work with who had talked to him before on from time to time on the phone, 
you know, I never got to, but I just thought it was really cool that they, they, they said, like, yeah, he's a nice guy, you know, and I was just like, I was thinking, like, yeah, you wouldn't want to stiff that guy, his royalties, no. that's not somebody you'd repeat, no. you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is it's weird that David Hess became uh, a film actor, or that he had anything to do with film at all, because he had a lot of success in music, to the point where in 1969, he became the uh, head of A&R at Mercury Records, mm-hmm. and ended mm-hmm. up co-writing, co-writing the Grammy award-winning rock opera, The Naked Carmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So David Hess yeah. has a Grammy yeah. to his name, yeah. And then he plays the most despicable human being on the planet Earth, yeah. not just in Last not House. just in that movie. The three I always go to yeah. when I think of him playing the basically the same character in different mm-hmm. movies is there's Last House on the Left, then there's Hitchhike, yeah. that excellent film with uh, Franco Nero, mm-hmm. and then uh, Last House on the Edge of the Park. Mm-hmm. Which is another nasty little piece of Euro trash where he essentially plays another scumbag yeah. taking advantage of people and, and making life miserable for a bunch of people inside a house. <clears throat> I wonder where they got that idea. Yeah. <laughs> the Europeans never rip off anyone. No. One but, of my favorite lines of film criticism ever was from Tim Lucas, I believe, in an old issue of Video Watchdog. and was reviewing Hitchhike, probably when it came out on VHS from Anchor Bay or maybe an early DVD, but it's like Frank O'Neill and his wife. Stopped to pick up a hitchhiker. Uh-oh, it's David Hess! <laughs> <laughs> that would signal a problem. It certainly would. Don't pick him up. I don't care if he has a Grammy and he's waving it around. You leave. But David Hess, he's the reason that I think most people would be curious about mm-hmm. seeing this nowadays, unless they're just slasher completists. Mm-hmm. That the you know the fact that David this is the one feature film that David has directed would be a draw, and it certainly was a curiosity for us. It made me think, well, this could be interesting. Yeah, this, the answer to the trivia question: What did Charles Lawton and David Hess have in common? That's it. He's directed one film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Lawton's was good. Yes, there is a difference. There is a difference, but nevertheless, I don't want to. I don't want to gild the lily. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. No spoilers now, just in case people think we. We should all say that the title is not a joke. The mm-hmm. film does take place at Christmas time, mm-hmm. so it, it it does does have that. I suspect it was not shot anywhere near Christmas time. <laughs> Probably not. Or at night. <laughs> or at night, for that matter. Yeah, good Who point. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Hold on. Before we get too deep into this, let's take a let's take a break, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back, and then we'll actually mm-hmm. pull this film apart. Mm-hmm put it back together again and see if the assembled parts resemble anything even remotely cinematic. Hang on. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural ghoulish and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry. Mark Temple is discreet.
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? The next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey, where is everybody? Gone to bed. Oh, where am I? Doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. Not a bad idea at all. Come on, genius. Time to put your immeasurable knowledge to work. Well, uh, I, I, I think you better show me to my room. Exactly what I had in mind. I think I had too much to drink. Half a beer? Uh-huh. You wouldn't be checking out on me, would you? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Einstein. Time for your advanced course in relativity. What to your mind, folks? And I'm talking to the two guys here, mm-hmm. not to the person listening to this, I apologize. <laughs> would make for a good Christmas time slasher film. What what are the elements that you think should probably be included in such an effort? Garbage day. <laughs> Okay, okay. That was one bad film. <laughs> that was Silent Night. Was that? Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, The Quickening. Which is truly, truly a heinous film. I, to this day, think that the only reason that film existed was for them to milk the first film for footage because they felt that it had, they had to yank it out of theaters too early. I think that's the reason that film got made. Of course, I think we may have discussed this when we talked about that movie. We did, and I knew ago. that you were still angry about it years later. So I thought it just well, I like the you up. I like the first film, but when I finally then I, when I finally saw the sequel, it's like wow, it's just as bad as everyone had warned me. <laughs> I've now, by the way, gone and seen I think the third and the fourth, which is the one oh with gosh. Mickey, which is the one with Mickey Rooney as a toy maker. Is that the fifth one? I, I think that it. might be five. Yeah. I've, I've seen up through them. I watched them wow. in order. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm insane. <laughs> yes. Man. Yeah. 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 Have, you, have you seen that one? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm going to recommend hmm. that you do not. <laughs> For your own sanity. Don't bother. Well, it'll happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I would hope we have enough years ahead of us, you know, to do this, that at some point we'll be just yeah, forced to because there'll be coming. nothing left. There'll be nothing else to, 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 to see. No, no, no. I think, I, believe me, there's a, there are more and more and better Christmas horror films out there. 
So back to your question, oh, which I yeah, yeah. completely what, what, derailed. What, well, no, no, but what elements? What elements do you think would go into making a good one? What are the pieces that you would assemble to create a good Christmas horror film? Say, let's even narrow it down to a slasher. Well, it should look like Christmas. <laughs> you know, you okay, should feel okay. like you know the Christmas so, trappings, so, the kind of so uh, decorations. Yes, Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, let's even say maybe uh, some inclement weather, some yeah, snow, maybe. Yeah. Maybe some Chris. We always talked before about some of the Christmas songs can actually have an eerie yeah. effect when put in different mm-hmm. contexts. They can be very spooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, underneath things like the uh, Tales from the Crypt with the John Collins thing, where they're exactly. on the radio is very spooky. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, if you can incorporate Santa Claus as mm. yeah, at yeah. some point um, as a killer, that helps, but it's not mandatory. I agree. Well, I definitely, agree. just some of the trappings of Christmas and mix that in, yeah. and and something. I mean, it, something significant, traumatic, etc., happening that ties directly to into Christmas. Christmas to has some, yeah, yeah that, 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 that somehow or another, you know, that that uh, has whatever whatever the killer's doing, or whether it's a revenge tale, or whether it's whatever it is, it should the thing should in a lot of ways you should use it to subvert a lot of the uh, what's typically thought of as things that are great or joyous about Christmas or fun about Christmas. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, okay. the really good films, what makes them work is. Because of Christmas time, all the things that are supposed to be exaggerated, you know, like the goodwill and the gift giving, and all, you know, a lot of times they subvert that to use those as ways to to where something horrific happens instead or something like that. Right? That makes you sense. Know? That makes sense. I think these are all. Yeah, you're right. These are the kinds of things that when you look at movies like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Christmas Evil, where uh, the time of year mm-hmm. factors heavily into mm-hmm. at least an element of the story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be, it doesn't have to hinge on it, but to really feel complete or like they've rounded the edges off of the concept, having it really kind of factored, having the Christmas season or at least the holiday season, even if Christmas Day itself doesn't factor into things, mm-hmm. that's what you it's what you would typically think of. And now also, <clears throat> because of, you said, you were talking about how it relates specifically to slashers, yeah. there's also the opportunity to because of sitting in at Christmas, you can put people in situations where they are isolated or alone. Correct. Obviously, the schools always work well because school yeah. vacation. You're left down to the people who don't get to go anywhere for vacation, so they're just stuck there together. Or if somebody's on vacation, they go to some remote place right. where they're like, oh, it's our Christmas getaway. Mm-hmm. Then you can right. use that as an excuse to put them now in. See, that, and that is where I was kind of going with the isolated nature of things, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing. You, in, mm-hmm. in, in a slasher film, it's not necessary, but it's always better mm-hmm. if you have found a way to isolate your cast. Yeah. Because... The only way to make some of these things that happen within these films believable is to have them in a situation mm-hmm. where escape is more difficult more difficult than average. Yeah. So well, I when things that happen so quickly that they don't realize what's right. going on right. until yeah. suddenly everybody's dead except one or two people. Right. Right. And then at that point it's too late because oh the car won't start, etc. And they're mm-hmm. they're isolated. Yeah. And you you actually Troy mentioned um, the whole idea of the holidays being a time where people would go somewhere and gather mm-hmm. um, for the holidays, specifically someplace they wouldn't normally naturally be. And that always harkens back to me, uh, for me, to um, the classic, what we were talking about before we started recording, Victoria, Victorian ghost stories, where the mm-hmm. whole idea yeah. was of, of a lot of them is this Christmas time gathering at a large ancestral home where a lot of people who don't live there have come to visit and are going to be there for, the, you know, for Christmas week, if not longer, because of the weather. And so the idea is you're isolated, 
in a place that isn't home, it's not familiar, so you don't have a firm grasp on exactly how the place should sound, should look, should be. And so there are a lot of accommodations being made by individuals for something strange that might happen because, well, I, you know, maybe that's just the way they do things here, or maybe that's just how this place is. Now, this movie, To All a Good Night, does actually, I think, have the bones of an excellent isolated location Mm -hmm. slasher tale set on a holiday because they worked very hard to make sure, as a matter of fact, one might argue they spend a little bit too much time setting in place the location, the the setting, and the setup for these characters, making sure that they're isolated. Mm -hmm. Now, as you said, (laughs) the whole (laughs) idea of revenge... I mean, this is like so many horror films, not just mm-hmm. slasher films. This one starts off with a pre-credit sequence, essentially, mm-hmm. that is two years, two yeah. years previous, <laughs> which is not very long. You know, most of the time no. you used to it being like fifteen years ago, which is you know, it's a couple, two years. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, yeah. the, if you start thinking about d- different slasher films, I mean, if you want to talk about a film that came out the exact same year, we're talking mm-hmm. about Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, mm-hmm. all this this horrible stuff mm-hmm. is predicated on something that happened. In 1959, or yeah. was it 1958? So you're talking about something mm-hmm. a long yeah. while back. Mm-hmm. But this, this film mm-hmm. starts off with something t- telling us that, mm-hmm. hey, this was two years ago. What mm-hmm. we're about to show you here was two years ago. And we have your typical slasher movie, Prank Gone Bad. I love a prank gone bad. But I like a prank gone bad better that makes when sense. I understand <laughs> what the fuck the prank was. <laughs> yeah, because it... They sort of chased the girl up onto a balcony. Yeah. The next thing you know, okay, look, a mannequin so, in her clothes falls off the balcony. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I would argue but, that this is, I don't understand this because I don't I'm either. telling you right now, one of the people, and I think they're all girls, they are all girls, yeah. one of them has an axe. <laughs> yes. A two yes, axe. yes, this is, yes, this is what, they're almost like they're, the weird thing about it is like, okay, there's nothing about this that even, you know, obviously this is supposed to happen at, at Christmas time. But there's nothing that these girls have that they're carrying or doing or dressing that suggests Christmas. It almost looks more like it was the original way the script was written was that it was going to be a Halloween mm-hmm. prank or something because it's Possibly. almost like they've got costumes on or like costume you know accessories and things like you said axes and stuff and they're yeah. they're chasing but, this yeah. <laughs> and, and so the thing to me is, <clears throat> I would have liked the uh, the Halloween idea didn't occur to me, but that mm-hmm. would have been even more interesting to a degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because nobody gets isolated mm-hmm. on the holiday of Halloween. That that's yeah. just you know that yeah. usually just falls as part of the week, and yeah. you know that's about it. Mm-hmm. So if they had set that whole this whole prelude where the mannequin falls off, yeah. <laughs> falls off the second story and dies, um, maybe that would that that would have been a little bit more interesting. But at the same time, if they worked a little bit harder, I mean, it, there is an old English tradition, and I think also an old French tradition of. Dressing up in costume at Christmas time. See, and I thought about that too. I mean, I thought like yeah. if they were going to have dressed up costumes, in it should have been they should have gone more for it. I mean, it's like there's like sort of half-assed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like they're which doesn't make any sense because they're not really dressed up in costume and yet they're carrying these odd, you know, instru- know. you know. Like, I, I I don't get it either. But at the same time, these elements could work very effectively. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to argue as we go along that the movie doesn't. I mean, some, sometimes it works, but most of the time it seems to have a good idea but not know how to accomplish that idea well enough on screen to make it all kind of hang together. Right off, well, first of all, we have to say, 
If you try to watch this movie cheaply on YouTube, you might as well watch Mud Swirl yeah. in a Blender. <laughs> because all the prints yeah. before this Blu-ray came out look like garbage. Mm. You can barely tell what the hell is going on. I was tr- I was re-watching sections of it earlier just to reacquaint myself with some specific lines of dialogue before we recorded. Mm-hmm. And I was just I just said, I, I can't find my disc real quick. I just so I threw the YouTube version up. And I realized, holy crap, thank God I didn't try to watch it this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, the scene where near the beginning where they go to uh, the to the uh, airplane to meet the people who are mm. coming in on the plane, yeah. I can't see shit. <laughs> I don't know who, the, I literally don't know. I can see like a flash of blonde hair and some white pants and some movement and I can hear the dialogue <laughs> and I'm going... Wow, this, this I would this would be this that would have been the point where I'd have given up on trying to watch this movie if I thought this was the only way to watch it. Which is funny because the day for night photography throughout mm-hmm. is terrible. Yeah. You can yeah. tell that they're running around at noon basically. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like the earlier prints darkened it so much. It's from a v- the, the print on, uh, that I found on YouTube is from uh, the old VHS the old, release. Yeah, and I think it, I've heard that it was just so dark you couldn't see anything. It's uh, I can I can yeah. attest to that. So at least, at least we're seeing it as well as I'm assuming it can be seen mm-hmm. now. Given, I'm assuming this was a this was a budget production. I'm also making some some assumptions about uh, you know why do you hire David Hess as a director unless it is I mean unless he's a well, buddy. Budget was seventy thousand. I was going to say I read it was seventy thousand. Every penny is boy, you can see it right there on the screen. Every dollar is on the screen. I, I will say this. For seventy thousand yeah, dollars, I'm a little impressed that they yeah, got that's a really movie nothing made. for a movie. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's really nothing. Even in 1979, yeah, that's cheap mm. for a film. If memory serves, three years before Halloween was shot for about one hundred and ten thousand. Now, granted, Halloween is a much better movie sure, by right. about seven hundred <laughs> miles, but that's still mm. a very low budget film. Mm. Seventy thousand bucks—that's almost nothing comparatively. I wonder if that's Negative cost too, but I, I I don't know. But at the same time, I like what they're trying to do in the setup. Okay, revenge, right? We got our, we've got our deadly thing that happened in the past that obviously is going to inform the present. Mm-hmm. And then we jump two years to you know present day, mm-hmm. 1979, 1980, whatever we're talking about here. And um, we've been told this is a finishing school for girls. Correct, and I love. Let's we were reminded many times that they're rich and privileged, and so we should not feel sorry for them at all. <laughs> right. Correct. The idea is that it's the, it's the Calvin Finishing School for Girls, and it's rural. They make sure that we mm-hmm. are aware of this because mm-hmm. it's they want to make sure that we know how isolated it is. So isolated, it's only accessible by a convenient airstrip. airstrip. Thank <laughs> God for that Thank airstrip. Thank God. God bless airplanes. Yes. God bless airplanes. <laughs> Who is that British I, I don't know, but we'll, we, we'll definitely talk about Okay. Good old British. I'll use this to, to kind of advance our conversation about this. It says during Christmas vacation at the rural Calvin Finishing School for Girls, a student is killed when she is accidentally pushed over a balcony during a prank. Two years later, on the Friday before Christmas, the school is emptying out for the holiday. However, five students who I will I'll read these names yeah. forget them just as quickly as I do. Nancy, Melody, Leah, Trisha, and Sam decide for various reasons to remain at the school, planning to have a weekend get-together with their respective boyfriends. We're already glossing over the fact that the most attractive woman of these five 
seems to be the, the Jamie Lee character, the Jamie Lee Curtis virgin character, and I'm just not buying it. Well, well, it's you know, I was gonna say, well, you 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 very quickly figure out who your final girl is going to be. Yeah. yeah. Although I would actually call her the annoyingly pathetic girl. She <laughs> <laughs> just more manages not to get killed. <laughs> Man, it's like. Oh God! Just... Like the the, the, the well shaped British chick who's major. Everything yes. I can remember about her is her accent and the fact that bras are not us. <laughs> yes, and 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 her delivery of every line sounds like a come on. You know? Yeah, <laughs> perhaps I should tidy up a bit. You know? <laughs> and, is she trying to seduce me? And this is yes, it? and this movie pulls cardinal sin number one is you it kills off the. Kills off too early and too quickly. Not only the most attractive of the women, but also I just wanted to hear her continue to deliver her inane dialogue in that accent. You know, they kill the British girl too quick. Uh, well, she was great. She should have narrated the. Thing. Uh, she should have. Uh, oh, he's got a long knife, I'd say. He's got to... <laughs> well, I'm getting one thing. One thing that I I find pretty interesting in this is I went back to the side. I, like a, I went back through it for a second time just to kind of clock a few things. Uh, do you know? Do you realize how far into the movie the first murder takes place? I would say what 20, 20 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's not no, very far. No, eight <laughs> minutes. Yeah, say yeah, that. they don't waste a lot of time no, in this movie. They don't. It gets no. to business, and it's quickly. not just one murder. Yeah. What we have is we've advanced two years. You know, we're we're in present day, quote unquote, and we have this one attractive woman who has uh, who's aware that her boyfriend is going to be coming by. He comes by and yells for her at the window, and so she starts getting dressed. And he's waiting for her outside the, the the building, and someone we get stalker cam. Someone comes up and attacks and kills him. And then a few minutes go by. We go we cut back to the scene inside, which is the rest of the girls having uh, having dinner and talking about their you know their lascivious plans for the weekend. Yes, we know they're automatically marked for death. You know because they one want to have sex, two they want to get yeah. high. And yeah. three, they're rich, you know, so they're, they're spoiled, privileged, you know. <laughs> spoiled, and, privileged and then our, sluts. our heroine, yeah. like, well, one day you'll get lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's like poor, ugly but thing. she's so you, hideous. I know, it's like, gosh. <laughs> I gotta say, um, I do think, and and I don't, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I do have the feeling that the way these women talk is the way a man thinks women talk when men aren't around. Because oh, course, I don't yeah. know of a whole lot of women who just drop casual phrases like, we're going to get laid. <laughs> that's a guy thing. I'm pretty sure that's a line from a character in Porky's who definitely has a penis, not a vagina. And, and it just it, some of the dialogue seems out of place as if it was written by a man. Oh, holy shock, it was written by a man. What a surprise. And what a man he was. Let's talk about the man who wrote this screenplay. Mr. Hudson... What do you think his most famous <laughs> cinematic experience may have been? Well, it's absolutely, he was the incredible melting man. Yes, indeed he was. <laughs> and that is yeah. an astonishing thing. It but is. as incredible as that is, <laughs> see, I'm funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like what you did there. Well played. He also did some other interesting things. He wrote other screenplays for other films. Which shocked the holy living hell out of me. He wrote Demented, that came out the same year, 1980. And, somehow or another, he has some kind of collaborating writer credit on 
beyond the door. They had collaborators on that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can only assume that somehow or another he co-wrote dialogue <laughs> for the English he, dub. He saw The Exorcist and took notes. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. He also wrote the film in uh, nineteen from nineteen eighty seven called Nowhere to Hide, which I kind of got to see now because. Nowhere to Hide, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, some kind of Italian-made film with Amy Madigan and Michael Ironsides. So uh, that was in 87. And so you look at his other credits, and as a writer, that seems to have kind of petered out when he he got Nowhere to Hide produced. And then in 2000, he directed four episodes of a a series of short movies called Sex, Pain, and Murder. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah. In my dating history. <laughs> <laughs> but as an actor, he, he, he seemed to have had something going on there for just a little while in the 80s when he was on The Incredible Hulk and Chips, Voyager, Simon and Simon, Murder, She Wrote. And then, you know, he was in the Amityville Horror, The Evil Escapes TV movie in 1989. And then it just all went to hell. No, John, here is your episode two of that. That's your castration elation. That's your, that's, <laughs> that's right. that's your dating history there. <laughs> Poor Mr. Hudson. It's like he knows me. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But you're right. If we have to lay at his feet and worship him for any one thing, truly do. Incredible melting. This writer, we should say his name, Alex Rebar. Mm -hmm. Alex Rebar was the incredible shrinking man. Melting man. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God, you're right. No, he was not the incredible shrinking man. (laughs) The incredible melting man. Which is a film that I own on Blu-ray and should not. <laughs> See, I own it on Blu-ray and the Mystery Science Theater DVD, which has the one great line where, hey, Mel, you got a little you on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, a writer of note, <laughs> or at least someone we're going to make notes about, penned this mm. epic mm-hmm. holiday slasher mm-hmm. film that... I will continue to blame Hudson for <laughs> Oh, now. <laughs> you. So we have the isolated the isolated women. They're obviously college age. They have mm-hmm. to be, they have to be. Which means they have to have two very responsible, at least two responsible adults around to watch over them. So let's talk about those two. Oh yes, please. <laughs> the two responsible adults. Well yeah. first responsible adult is actually a responsible adult. Mm-hmm. Yes. Until later in the film. Yes. Miss Jensen, I think her name is, who can only talk about cooking or feeding you. That's all she, That's does. Right. she does. She's only she does able to talk about sewing as well. She does some sewing. She does some cooking, sewing, and cooking, cooking and sewing. And yeah, uh-huh. if she if she were alive today, she would be an incessant mm-hmm. sewing blogger. That's, that's what she would do. She would spend her day mm-hmm. taking intricate photos of her work mm-hmm. in with a macro lens so mm-hmm. that she could post yeah. them online. And what these charming uh, female examples of. Uh, the uh, institutions of higher learning have planned is they're going to drug their housekeeper yes. so that she will sleep through their debaucheries that they have mm-hmm. planned. <laughs> How charming. Which And they're going to have the one girl who is not going to have sex deliver the goods. Deliver the, make her do the, yeah. <laughs> make her do the dirty work. This this plan, I can't find a flaw in it. Not at all. It, it makes perfect sense. Except yeah. that it would never fucking work. So, <sighs> the other yeah. adult yeah. is a... A uh, mentally deficient man-child yeah. who I honestly thought he, he was going to turn out to be some kind of elaborate joke. Mm-hmm. Even after the second time he's on screen mm-hmm. delivering 
let's just say, stilted dialogue that stilted for a reason. I mean, the yeah. character is clearly, you know, not mm. all there. Mm. Um, uh, some some might say pitched yeah. or kicked by a mule or <laughs> dropped on his head. Flicked as we said when we were kids. And, and we what didn't... could his name be except? Except oh, God. Ralph. <laughs> I know, it could only be Ralph. <laughs> ah, the synchronicity. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy Ralph. Yes. And Ralph. And when they Ralph, come, they come, here. They come Fast Ralph in this a couple of times. And yeah. they come or something. Like, and, and I, Lots of gardening yeah. in the house. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I love the way every time he appears, the way he's carrying his shears in a very phallic, like just right, yeah. you know, carrying it down. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like, kind of hard to miss, which but, is really odd. Yeah. If you, if you, if you watch, if you watch nothing but slasher films, you would truly be convinced that all handymen and gardeners are like mentally deficient creep, creepoids, you know, that just, you know, <laughs> and you're pretty sure that their, their internal life involves just thinking about the conversation they had last week with that worm. You yeah. know? <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like they, uh, and everything to them is a biblical revelation. There's evil here. Am I the only one who, who fully, I, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out if they were going to subvert this, but from the moment we see him, he's he's always he's quoting scripture. Mm-hmm. He's you know spouting Bible passages, and so my immediate thought is ah, major red herring, mentally yeah, deficient, yeah. you know, lunk mm-hmm. with you know a- yeah. access to edged weapons clearly, <laughs> yeah. who's spouting <laughs> biblical passages yeah. about, uh, and, and it only seems to be really really be happy with the super virginal girl mm-hmm. of the five mm-hmm. that are there. Yeah, it's like even even on the front end of this genre, by this point, even you should know that this is. You, she sometimes should tell you this is not our killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the longer the film goes on, there got there came a certain point when it's like, oh, I know who the killer is. Hmm. But until that point, it was like, are they going to pull the old switcheroo where hmm. they're playing, they're rolling yeah, the red herring yeah. out there so hard mm-hmm. that you're going, yeah, 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 right, go on now, and then it actually turned out to be that mm-hmm. because that would actually have impressed the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Yeah. They do the thing that I was fully expecting by the halfway point. <sighs> <sighs> Nevertheless, we'll we'll get to we'll get to many questions that I have. Now, what, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Ralph. No, oh, please oh, do. Please please do. Do. I actually thought the guy playing him was not bad. It was no, uh, no, no I didn't Wes have a Buchanan. Yeah, right. Yeah. He did a pretty good job. He's actually pretty likable. And um, I looked him up on IMDb, and he actually had a pretty decent little career. Mm-hmm. Probably similar to our. Melting Man that we talked about earlier, a lot of TV stuff and okay. arts and movies, but mm-hmm. he did okay. So yeah, no, that's actually, good. well, that's good to know. No, actually, he, he he does the part as it was written, you know, and does it fine. Yeah. You know, he does. So I yeah, mean, I agree. Yeah, he's not doing anything on screen that is not called for. It's just that you know the question for anybody watching this movie is, uh, he the killer? And then almost immediately, nah, nah, he's not. He's not the killer. He's, in fact, speaking to the cast, all the young people in this movie except for um, Jennifer Runyon. This is, this is it. the only thing. Oh yeah, did. yeah. If you start yeah. digging into some of these actors' uh, resumes, they were maybe in this and maybe one or two other. Maybe things. one other. And thing. that was it. All of the older actors, a lot of TV work. Yeah. A lot of the policemen played cops, and you'll a see lot them. of TV vets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but got a lot of stuff. And Jennifer Runyon wound up having a you know, decent little. She had a decent little career. Yeah. yeah. And 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 again, she's another example of where I think she's basically as much as much as I want to smother her with a pillow through the entire film, you know, for being, but. <laughs> Is, is she she's really plays the part as it's written. It's not she plays it bad. I think she they just wrote the character so mousy 
And so they were trying to go for sweet and innocent and yeah. ended up just making her so, to me anyway, just so thoroughly annoying that, you know, I was like, I'd rather hang out with Leah, man. It's like, she at least, <laughs> it's like, she at least is having a good time, you know? <laughs> I really enjoyed that actress's performance. Mm-hmm. So I played Leah. I mean, it's like, cause she's yeah, trying to make yeah. the most, they, she's, she's having to extend a lot of scenes or give pump some life into yeah. a lot of lifeless scenes there, you know? And so, it, you know, it's obviously, yeah, obviously your character is, the bad girl or whatever, you know, the instigator, but, uh, but she has a lot of fun. She has a fun, she has a great, some great expressions. It has this kind of weird sideways thing with her face. It's kind of like, she She's, has kind of a smirk yeah, on her face all the time. It's actually a, like a, a nice delivery. She has sort of yeah. a Lorraine Newman. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And she's actually not a bad actress at no, all. She's not. It's yeah, funny. This the, was the, her the only girl, film. The girl playing was, Leah. Her that, name was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Ju- Judith Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you're right. I mean, she seems to be giving it her all. Yeah. Yeah. But she's one of those actresses who was only in a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's really it's really weird when you see this. Like, I wonder if the experience was so bad, or if she was just <laughs> like, you be. know, this is not this is for more me. Work. Yeah, <laughs> this is a lot of work for very little payoff. Or I don't well, it maybe could have also just, been maybe David S just creeped her out too much. She's like, I can't do this. Yeah. Well, it could also be the case where, and I hope this doesn't sound as horrible as I know it's about to sound. But when you look at Jennifer Runyon. she looks like a TV actress. You mm-hmm. can see her being on a sitcom. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas the girl, um, what was her name? Um, oh, Judith Bridges. Bridges. Judith Bridges is not a conventionally good-looking girl. That's true. I mean, she's yeah, not, she's attractive, she's but not attractive, right, but not, but in not that TV kind of, yeah. attractive. No, you're you're right. not going to see her on Charles in Charge yeah. like Jennifer Runyon was. Yeah. And that may have been it as the 80s started to go on yeah. and cast start to get more pretty mm-hmm. as opposed to the early slasher movies where people look like real people. Like real, yeah, it might be spot. attractive, but they did look like somebody you could pass on the street every day before yeah, they started having to become like models. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What are you doing here? Something is wrong. Something is happening here. What do you mean, Ralph? Miss Nancy, I'm a man of the land. And I know y'all don't think I know much. But I know when something is wrong, you got to watch yourself. Don't come any closer, Ralph. You're the only one. Out of all of them, you're the only one. I like you. I want you to be all right. You must pray. Pray so the devil won't claim you for one of his own. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. I promise. Good night, Ralph. Good night, Miss Nancy. And pray, please. So like I say, what we have is, uh, we have the first murder is like eight minutes in. Right. And we get a couple, it's a double murder, and then we don't have any murders for a little while. Mm-hmm. It's kind of calm, as we're getting to know mm-hmm. our victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one that gets killed off is named Cynthia. I, don't, do we, I think we get a name for the boyfriend. I don't but, do it. I'm but who gives, a damn, who gives a damn what his name yeah, was, really? Yeah, um, <laughs> but neither of those killings, let's just say, if we want to like, you know, rate the killings as we go along. Those first two, not real interesting. So. No, just knife yeah. to the chest. I just knife, yeah, yeah, just pretty, pretty dull, pretty dull. Pretty for dull. Now, now we don't know how much was filmed and then possibly cut out. There's a couple of killings there that I suspect I were gorier, maybe than I, those didn't seem to me like they were. But yeah. anyway, but yeah. I don't know. I think at that point they were still getting away with stuff. Yeah, that was long. Yeah, again, that was it was wasn't until about mid '80s when they started really clamping down I've on heard, stuff. This and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but the folks who did um, my bloody Valentine blame John Lennon's murder on. Hmm. Films getting and like this would have came, this came out a month after he died. After yeah. he died, yeah. So it oh, would have already, already gotten out in nineteen eighty. 
If then it would have been. Oh, then it would have been a whole year before. That's you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, um, but, but this guy, I, I don't yeah. know how much I think that how much truth is there in that. I think honestly, what happened is after Friday Thirteenth, where they got away with everything. Yeah, yeah. I think people were like it just overall you can't do just, this, yeah. and then they started to cut way back yeah. on it. Yeah. But anyway, I think this they got this out before they would have really had to cut much out. I agree. Yeah. I doubt they had money to do a whole lot yeah. more than what we see. Yeah. As we go on, you know, there's some of these murders that are stupid, but. Still, kind of, it, kind of fun, like you <laughs> yeah. hadn't necessarily seen every day, you know. So these first two, I felt kind of dull. So yeah, I, I would agree with you, and um, we should we should say that okay. Once once the innocent Nancy is coerced into into uh, giving the drugged milk to the house mother, uh, and of course we never see the house mother drink the milk. We're just mm, assuming that she right. does. But after Miss Jensen is quote unquote asleep, uh, the girls go to the nearby air, airstrip to meet their boyfriends, TJ, Alex, Tom, and Blake, mm-hmm. or Tom, Dick, Harry, and who gives a fuck? Yeah, right, right. I mean, did they, <laughs> it's, I, there, it's like, there, there was a part of me that wondered why they bothered to give these men names. Yeah, it's basically three meatheads and a dick, you know? <laughs> and a geek, you know, you got three meatheads, a dick piloting the plane, and a, you know, literally, and, uh, and, and, a, and a geek. Because, oh, because of, they're pilot. We knew, John, I'm sure, I'm surprised you didn't come with a whole binder full of information about our pilot here. Well, the person playing the but he's probably because it's all up in, in the in the old brain there, isn't it? <laughs> you don't need notes, I, I hate to say it, but yeah. yes, it is. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured. Tell the folks at home, yes, playing along with us, yeah. who the pilot of the plane was. Well, he's actually the most recognizable actor in the film. Mm-hmm. Yes, with is. the longest filmography. Longest filmography, yes, <laughs> many films to his name. Inches, Mr. inches, and inches, inches of and film. inches Mr. of film. Harry Reams. Yay. Uh, we broke into the business as a uh, just as a crew member on yeah. Deep Throat, and the mm-hmm. director of the film, Gerard Diamano, thought he was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Gave him a big part in the movie. Harry performed up to snuff. Actually, is, is easily the best part in that movie, which is not very good if you've ever tried to see it. It is not <laughs> I've good. Actually, never tried. I to never watch have. It. No, no, I've never watched Deep Throat. I yeah. haven't. It's I've not. Seen, real I've seen. Yeah. I've seen clips. Mm. You know, about mm. eight to ten minutes in length. Yes, yeah, and that's all you need. Really. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he's 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 actually pretty funny. He's not a bad actor mm-hmm. when he's given the right material. He's good at comedy, decent yeah. at drama. Um, had a tough go in the seventies because he was singled out as sort of the face of pornography. Mm-hmm. And in Memphis, they tried to tried to put him in prison for violating obscenity laws yeah. for starring in the movie. He didn't make it. Yeah, and he starred in it, wow. and like Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson paid for his defense. Oh uh, yeah, and, right. Um, he eventually beat the rap because I think the law was made after the film, so they said, "Well, you can't really be arrested for something you did before it was illegal." <laughs> that wasn't Ill- yeah, that was illegal after you did it. Yeah, and he went out of the porn industry for several years, which, and tried to go you know make some straight films, and mm-hmm. did this one was one, and then the next film he did, Demented. Was also written and directed by yeah. well, written by the same guy who wrote this. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because in the um, interviews on the Blu-ray, he says that Harry Reams is the reason this film didn't get major studio distribution. Wow. Which because people because that because they might think it was a porn film, yeah. which is amazing because the guy's got like you know a total of maybe like a three minute lines of, and he yeah. doesn't even have his real um, name. I don't believe that because no, seems I don't, a little, I seems I don't a believe that either. Why would you put him? And he's the male lead in the next film the guy did that he wrote and directed. Wow. So yeah, that I think like, I think he's lying. But Harry, well, Harry now did Harry Reams claim that? Is he the one that claimed no, that, that? No, no, no. The, the, the director the, claimed. The, 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 oh, the director, the writer, the writer claimed. Not director, but the writer claimed. Alex Rebar claimed that. Yeah, so. Harry went back to porn a couple years, I guess in 84, and then retired in the late 80s. 
Didn't he? He got born again, right? Didn't he? Become he did. He, he did. He went. He moved but... to Utah, and um, I saw this on Entertainment Tonight. Really? And I wish I could found this on YouTube. They uh, said he's born again. He's living in Utah as a real estate developer, and he's left his porn past behind him. Then you see his sign. Harry Reams Realty. <laughs> so I think, well, he didn't leave it that far behind. <laughs> okay, so so clear something up for me here. He's billed here as Dan Stryker. Please tell me that that wasn't that somebody didn't come to him and said like, okay, we need you to come up with a name that doesn't sound like have any porn connotations. <laughs> He's like, um, how about Dan Stryker? Okay, yeah, that'll do. That's a great name. Yeah, nobody nobody would assume that was a pseudonym. No. One last thing about that Entertainment Tonight Mm. segment, Mm. because they talked about his career in the city. It was so popular in the 70s, he published his autobiography, Here Comes Harry Reams. (laughs) And they showed a picture of the cover of the book. And I thought at that point, I must own this book. Yeah. So when eBay was invented, the first thing I... Oh, yes. All right. And I shit you not... The first thing I bought on eBay was Here Harry, Comes Harry, Harry Reams. Reams. I love it. That's oh great. Oh, my God. Which, unfortunately, was written before this film, where I would have loved to get a chapter on his thoughts and reflections yeah, yeah, on his yeah. role as the pilot. <laughs> Who's, who gets nowhere near the women and sleeps underneath yeah. the yeah, sleeping plane. And has one of those totally ludicrous but fun deaths that we were talking about. You know. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so they, they all come back to the house and, and begin to cavort. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they're in the living room uh, drinking, laughing, smoking, and then Trisha goes to the kitchen to retrieve beer but is confronted by someone in a Santa Claus suit. Yes. So, okay, hey, wait a minute, mm-hmm. wait a minute. There are a few Christmas decorations on the <laughs> exterior of the house. Yeah. There's not a lot of, you know, fa-la-la-la-la fashion yeah. going on here. It's very much a, I guess it's Christmas. Yeah. Well, they do have a tree and some presents in the, yeah. by the fireplace, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, we're not, like, overrun yeah. with, say, Christmas cheer or imagery. Yeah. No. Right, no. Of course, it hurts, I guess, because the film was probably set in California. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't look like what we would think yeah. of as Christmas. Right. Which, actually, I thought was a little bit refreshing. It's not your standard... Snow and sleds and carolers. It's a California warm. No. But this person in a Santa Claus suit and mask comes up to poor Tricia and slits her throat. And so that's one of the deaths that I think might have been because you know because the throat cutting effect looks like it was not bad. You know, mm-hmm. but but just such a quick flash out. But that's one of the deaths that I thought might have been and might have had more footage filmed. You know, filmed possibly. Possibly. Well, then when Tricia doesn't return to the group. Uh, Tom goes to find her, and he's confronted by the killer, who chases him outside and smashes his head with a rock. Not after a fight, though. No, that, that, that was yeah. interesting. That's that's one where the uh, the uh, he actually puts up a, a bit of a bit of a fight there. And the killer, after he's killed these two, buries each body in its own little grave there in the garden, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting, but. Uh, once Might again, take a couple of few hours. Well, <laughs> not, but, 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 let's say it was. Let's say he already had Doug. But let, let's put it this way: you're still not making me buy the fact <laughs> that the gardener is 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 anything other than a red herring. I'm yeah. sorry, it's just no, mm. no, no, it's just not happening. Well, later, Sam and Blake have sex in the parlor. They're interrupted by the killer disguised in a decorative suit of armor. <laughs> Now, yeah. and 
I'm going to raise my hand. Go ahead. Yes, go you do it. that yes, because that. I have many objections to this scene. How long did he stand there in that suit of armor? I don't know. Hoping no. that somebody is going to have sex in front of him. Well, again, you have to remember this is the slasher universe where, where you know, the slashers are omnipotent. They know. <laughs> First of all, they, they're going to wait up until the moment you actually pick up the phone to snip the phone yeah. wires with yeah, the shears. Moment. Which is another right. crime this film <laughs> Yes, I know. I know. I know. But, yeah, but yes, yes. They'd say you was, you know, and again, once you know, it, it comes down to how, because they're, they're sleep, you know, they're having sex, and you're like, okay, you're waiting for. We've already seen the spear, you know, the Friday the Thirteenth spear through both of them. You know, how are they going to get killed? The arrow through the back of the head coming out of the mouth. I mean, that, you know, if you're into those kind of things, it's kind of fun. You know, mm-hmm. you're right, it's totally preposterous. No, but at least with that and the beheading, you get like. Okay, there's some grit for your, you know, there's some bang for your buck there, you know. That's but you're right, the whole suit of armor thing. Now, are like, we sure how, that the guy in the suit of armor was one of the killers? Because it could be. That's <laughs> well, playing it could disco be, music. They might have been a ghost. It could be a ghost. Yeah. They're playing disco music next to the suit of armor, <laughs> which brought it to life because it hates the sound of joy and frivolity. <laughs> yes, that, well, that's that. What you're describing is a better movie. <laughs> We don't get well, that. Well, there's only two people who are going to be in a slasher movie. If it's not the killer in a suit of armor, it's going to be the guy who likes to dress up and scare people. And, and yeah. he himself, of course. The wacky prankster. The wacky prankster. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not what we get, though. <clears throat> we don't but, really have a wacky prankster well, in this movie. Well, we do. And just suddenly in that weird, odd scene where the geeky boy suddenly turns into this strange, starts chasing the shy girl for no reason oh, yeah. I mean it's like this film really requires its characters sometimes to just to do, do totally pro- out of yeah. character bizarre things just do suddenly yeah. anyway I, I, yeah. I, I, honestly <laughs> I, I, there were several points watching the movie I thought they were just making the dialogue up as they went <laughs> it really seemed like they were like <laughs> fill, really did. they were like fill some space yeah yeah like, like just 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 riff a little yeah, no, I actually yeah. can see that, especially with Leah, who again, you know, really tries her her best to. There was a lot of scenes with her where I felt like they were just kind of like, let her go, let her go, do something mm-hmm. in this scene, interesting, dance, you know, dance, singing, whatever you do, you know. And that well, there's that. one bit where the one guy says, "No, I'm a, I got a black belt. Nobody gonna mess oh, with yeah. this boy." Yeah, where it's like, what the like, hell? Well, that actually sounds like something a real asshole, yeah, a real would jackass say. would say. Yeah, <laughs> and the delivery was really good. And I'm yeah, like, he's just yeah. making that up. I yeah, think he, he, he may well. Have I got that right. impression that scene too. I was thinking the same thing. Is I think they're just kind of. I think they're kind of improv improv in this part mm-hmm. right here so <clears throat> well, it, the yeah. same okay the, the list of cinematic crimes this movie commits <laughs> it's fairly long and I'm not sure what I would list as the most egregious moment but believing that someone silently got into this suit of armor yes well that's why he had to stand there he got in that well I think while they were at the airstrip <laughs> he got in the suit of armor and just stood there and, <laughs> And by the way, we skipped past one of the high points in the movie, which is the song that the one guy plays <laughs> oh on the god. guitar. Oh god, yes. Vagabond. <laughs> oh my lord. That's what in the hell is I, going on there? I know. I'm hoping that, that David Hess just didn't hand him a song and say, Hey, do your best. I just wrote this. Do your best with it or something. <laughs> it was just like Yeah, that was he's yeah, he's not really very good in that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pretty bad. And it's and it's made worse. By as soon as he's done, one of the girls going, "That was great. That was beautiful. That was yeah, yeah. That was great." Like, yeah. I almost no, wondered if it was no, supposed it to be. I was wondering if it was almost supposed to be intentionally, like you know, like the kind of thing that would happen where if a girl's really into a guy, that she's not going to tell him how awful it is. She's just going to like, you know, she's, <laughs> she's got to keep. She's she's got the moon eyes for him, <laughs> so she's just going to say whatever it takes. By the way, here's some weird things we get with the we you know we don't get much early you know we get a couple of things from the killer's perspective. One, you know, we see the killer, you know with gloves on and Santa suit and 
and there's a big portrait of the girl that died at the first of the film. So right. we're not, it's not too hard to put together why this killer is, you know, as if we didn't guess already. Well, early on, our first indicator is there's like a portrait of the girl... And then you can't really make it out even on the Blu-ray, but you assume it's a list of the girls. That's the next thing I was going to mention. Well, and that's the next thing I mentioned that was weird is not only do you never see it even close enough where you can read it, it's just a list of, of, you know. It's obviously a list of names. But, okay, you're thinking, okay, and as each one dies, you're going to see each name get crossed off, but. No, it doesn't no, even it do. Just, it's just there's a big X through all it. of it. And now, should we spoil who one See, of the and I don't, I don't know how far point? you want to go with this. We, we, should, <clears> we never did have that talk. The spoiler talk is how far we're we going to go with it. I don't mind spoiling this because fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> well, then we'll, 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 let's just say that one of our killers... The cinema psyops guys would be proud of, of what you just <laughs> said there. No, that, 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 sounds like, that sounds like their justification for it. <laughs> one of the killers is revealed to be Mrs. Jensen. Yes. Yes. Who, who, loves who is, cook. by the way... Freaking obvious. Well, and who is past the halfway point? It's well, clear. Well, well even go she's ahead. a yeah, killer. Yes and no, mm-hmm. because there are times where you think, well, she's the killer, but then but she's here. So how could that? Yeah, yeah you see I that know. she's here, and there the killer's over here. But my, my big question, my feeling is, was, it's just a shittily made film. Well, there's that. But my point is, she's going to kill all these girls. Why don't she just poison the stew? <laughs> She wanted it to be visceral, John. Could be. She wanted blood Mm. spilling. She wanted, Mm. I think, to be caught. You think that this was a... This was a cry for help, John. She felt justified in murdering these people. And I don't give a shit how how good I sound (laughs) spewing this bullshit. But yes, of course, if she wanted to kill these twats, she could have done a bazillion fucking things. But when, then we would have no movie where we at least get a heading. We got a heading with the, with the, the, the guy, and, the, and we get a crossbow bolt through the face. I, I, I like crossbow bolts through we faces. We get a guy hung from a, a wire by a good tree because Santa Killer just knew that he was going to walk right under that tree. And that, well, yeah, right that was another his, killing you know, I loved. Just where, that's another cinematic crime yes, right yes, there. Yes, where yes. He, he, he's either in that tree waiting yeah. for them to come <laughs> under it and yeah. make out. Or he silently climbs the tree. Which can't happen. That was one of the scenes that made me think that there may not have been anything else cut out of the film, though, because the wire like pulls into that's the true, throat and goes up, and it's pretty graphic. Well, and so is the, again, Death by Propeller, which is... You know, just <laughs> yes. monumentally stupid. You know <laughs> well, that, that it kills color. But at the same time, do we, you know, do we give them points for? Okay, hadn't seen that before. I mean, you kill two people with one propeller. But has anybody ever seen a propeller that started that quickly? You know, that people would just stand there like, huh? That's What's this propeller? You know, I mean, it's like every other propeller ever started went like. You can hear the engine begin to start. Our pilot must not know what that sound was. Well, I, uh, once again, we have we have our Ralph character mm. who runs into Nancy and, and and does the ominous thing where there is I believe something evil yeah. is about to happen. It's like, oh, no shit, dude. We've already seen a couple <laughs> yeah. deaths already. Lock your door, Nancy. Lock your door. I like you. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> I'm going to make sure everybody knows I'm not the murderer by saying it this way. Yeah. Oh Lord. Well, I mean the next morning Nancy finds Ralph's corpse in the woods outside, meaning guess what? He wasn't the killer. Yeah, no mm-hmm. shit. Then we have a we have the cop show up, det- Detective Polanski. Oh yeah, we also based on the three cops, once again, this is in that cinematic world where no matter where the film takes place, all cops are from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> and and for some reason, dressed like Columbo. <laughs> dressed like yeah. <laughs> Now, um, at this th- point, did we reveal who killer number two is? Um, 
I'm going to leave that up to you guys because, you know, fuck this movie. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to reveal it. Okay, and and, and we'll, have to, we'll have to make sure we post when we post oh, this. Yeah, okay, okay. Big time spoilers because we didn't give people a whole lot of warning, you know, when we spoiled a minute ago who uh, Dewey okay, suggested. Okay. So we'll Folks, make sure that we put, we're, we're yeah. going to uh, We're going to spoil the identity of the dual killer. If you wish to uh, see this movie cold, yeah. I fear for your sanity. Yeah. And I fear for your... Honestly, I fear for your I know we've oversold it, but... <laughs> yes, yes. Well, right, one ahead. of our killers is revealed earlier, or mm-hmm. later, to be Mrs. Jensen. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the fill-in house mother. The other killer is revealed later than this scene, mm-hmm. but to be the head detective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they are the parents of the girl who was killed two years before. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the few really nice little moments in this film, and this is why I had to reveal this, while the the chief detective is talking about, oh, I'm sure the kids are here somewhere. He's just kind of bullshitting to get it right through. But you see Mrs. Jensen, and she's playing with her wedding ring while he talks. Ah, okay. Mm, nice. And that's cool. I thought that's, that's actually a nice touch. That's not yeah. bad. You're right. Yeah. So that's why I felt like I got to give this movie yeah. some credit. That was a nice well, little bit of business. I, I think, you know, in this film, by the time, you know, once Ralph's killed, I mean, that's one of those films, it doesn't give you a whole lot of potential suspects. You know, I mean, really, if you're trying to figure out who the killer is, you know, as the kids are, as the, as the other, you know, once you, you know, you may early in the film wonder if it's one of the other students, will it be turn out to be her sister or something, you know, mm-hmm. but as they're getting knocked off, rapidly you begin to figure out that okay well if it's there's really only three people could be it's got to be either ralph the cop or you know or mrs jensen you know because there's not really any other candidate or the pilot you know there's really not many other candidates so there's not many to choose from as it goes but you're right the idea of there being not one but two it does it does kind of play off in a little way kind of nicely because you're right there are other points of film where you're you know, well, how can, okay, well, well, you know, how can the killer be here? But especially when it's really coming to a, a head there, you know, and, and right. uh, you really start wondering that you, first you're thinking it's bad editing because there is a lot in the film. But you're, but you're, but you're, but but in this place, it's, but yeah. yeah, where you're thinking like, they can't, well, but wait, the killer's outside, not here, you know, and so that kind of at least ties that up, you know, or kind of like is a nice little surprise, I guess. You well, know? yeah, it, it is, but I'm keying off what you just mm. said. From the very opening sequence where we have the, the, the pre-credit sequence where we see the prank that goes wrong, even in that, there's bad editing in that scene. So by the time I've experienced the next 40 minutes of the movie and experienced more and more bad editing, I mean, and I'm, ta- I'm not talking bad editing as in um, shots don't match or, <clears throat> or something crosses the frame in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how interior segments inside a scene are not edited together well enough mm-hmm. so that you don't see that the edit is wrong. So mm-hmm. that there'll be emotion started by a character in the scene, the, the, the shot that you're watching. Mm-hmm. They'll edit to another scene where that character is still and then starts the motion again. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. edit, oh, yeah. and then the edit oh, yeah. takes sure, you back yeah. to the other shot with yeah. the shot in motion. But now the reality mm-hmm. of what you're seeing is broken because now it's not a scene that you're watching. You're seeing that they fucked the editing up. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this movie. And so that breaks the movie so often for me. I'm talking like at four or five different points in the movie where yeah. it's just like, okay, so mm-hmm. I if I see that, I expect there to be even worse editing crimes. And so the fact that there ended up being two murderers is a bit of a, a bit of a surprise because I just figured it's going to be all because it was just <laughs> because really bad, bad editing. editing. One of the things it does, I'm not really sure if it's, if it's a bad idea or a, or like a really kind of daring idea is uh, they give you a really, really blatant clue early on that yes, the killer do. is Miss Jensen. It's because in the room where she's doing her sewing hey, and where Nancy's coming to, you see there's, after you've seen the picture there yeah. in the, in the killer's presence, 
again, it's one of those things where I, if, if, if I, I don't know if it's, it's like I said, kind of bold, just like really daring you to see who, if you are paying attention to putting it there and wondering if anybody, how yeah. many people would. Or, or was it just a poor, or was it a poor decision? Was it bad planning to do that too? Well, see, because the fact I'm that going to actually away. give the film credit for that, mm. because I do feel that there are, the, there really are the bones of a decent yeah, movie. I think here. so too. Yeah, I think the script, as written, is a serviceable slasher story. Mm. I think the failures all come in the execution, mm. um, the, the 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 bad lighting, mm. the uh, poor mm. editing. The sometimes not that particularly great acting, mm. the uh, sloppiness that makes you doubt that mm-hmm. what you're watching is going to eventually add up. In a way, it does kind of add up. I would even suggest that there's some cleverness built into the way this mm. thing is pieced together mm. at the script level. Yeah. It's just that I think it fails when they mm. shot it. And and I'll... One problem I have with the script, I agree with you that there are definitely the the bones of, a, of what could have been. It could have been more. It could have been more. Right. So one problem I have with the script is I think that it does shoot its wide a little too early in the film. As far as too much happens in the first half, by the forty minute point is where forty minute point is where we we where everybody sees finds Ralph's body and suddenly everybody knows something's up that there's somebody's yeah. actually visibly you know, and you still have another forty minutes to go. Which you have to fill with a lot of scenes of people trying to talk about, argue about whether they're actually in danger or not, or you know, oh, you're overreacting. No, I'm not. You know, oh, let's go search this hallway. Let's go search this hallway. Yeah, the pacing right. then suddenly to me really bogs down. I think it needed. I understand the the idea of trying to keep things happening to keep audience attention, but I really think that it it should have built up more before you start knocking off people I because I think there's too much time after everybody's aware that something's wrong. They start then they start doing the stupid things like the two. You know, like Nancy and the the geeky guy. You know, just they're suddenly randomly like, let's check this house let's out. Let's check the place out, and let's walk slowly down the hallway and try each door slowly. And because we're being told to, because they're trying to pad the film. Pad and the that's film the stuff out. where I feel is a problem. You're right, and it's something that Hudson mentioned when we when we initially started talking about this film just earlier, which is the idea that there comes a point in these movies where the remaining victims become aware mm-hmm. that the other people who aren't around are actually yeah. dead. Yeah, they're they're they become aware they're being stalked. Mm-hmm. And there's no way, even if they think, oh, our friends, you know them, they're just out fooling around. Right. That's they what that's, found that's been the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like, the Morgan. first half. That's the first yeah. half of the film. But the moment where in any of these movies where there is no question, people are being mm-hmm. murdered. Mm-hmm. That's the hinge point in a slasher. Yeah. Because there's always that's there's the before and there's the after. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after things have to escalate in mm-hmm. speed. Yeah. The editing style has to change. The story has to become more staccato mm-hmm. because now the adrenaline gets pumping because there's nobody on screen who's not aware of the danger that they're in. Mm-hmm. This movie fucks that up. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they could have avoided that <clears throat> in a way if, say, Ralph had just been pushed down the stairs. Right. Where it looked like an accident. When they find him, it looks like he's had a machete in his head. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know about you guys, but if I find somebody with a machete <laughs> wound to their head that's been killed, the I'm cops not going to just like, oh, I'm, let's go have some eggnog. And, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm it's, heading to the airstrip. It's, it's, <laughs> it's 911, it's and yeah. I need a bat in my hands. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, it's like the first line from Polanski, you know, the cop, you know, is like right after you see Ralph's body, you know, Ralph's body says, you know, he's, he's, he's saying, well, the way it was found, it's very obvious here what happened. I'm, like okay, well, we're waiting for it. Yeah, what you know, it's like well, it's so obvious, but you know, it's just. But and it, I'm, I'm definitely giving the movie too much credit here. But yeah. he wanted the kids to stay, there. and that's true. That's true. You're well, right. That's true. You're right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, I don't think they thought of that. But. <laughs> no, good point. That is a good point. Now, good. before we go any further into the discussion of the movie, because I'm more interested in this movie as an historical landmark than mm-hmm. I am of it as a, yeah. a thriller. Yeah. But I was shocked when I was, when I, after my first viewing of this film, I was shocked at how many of the standards of the slasher film are in this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was shot in 1979. Mm-hmm. This surprised the shit out of me mm-hmm. because it felt like it was riffing on some better known and better made slasher films that actually came after it. Yeah. Which is a real shock. The first, the most obvious one to me is this movie feels like a dry run for House on Sorority Row. Mm-hmm. It really, yeah. really does. Yeah. Uh, House of Sorority Row is not set mm-hmm. at holiday time. It's set at the end of a school term when these the mm-hmm. mo- these girls are done with college. Mm-hmm. It's um, we have the house mother that they're trying to avoid and trying to find a way to to mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. be in, you know be involved with. There's also another parallel that would be a spoiler for House on Sorority Row involving <laughs> the house mother. Yeah. <laughs> there are more than there's more than one killer in mm-hmm. House on Sorority Row. Mm-hmm. House of Sorority Row commits to this stuff and accomplishes pulling off a lot of surprises this mm-hmm. movie seems mm-hmm. to be trying to do mm-hmm. and then kind of fumbling. Yeah. But House of Sorority Row works like eight times out of ten. It's a very effective film. Also, decapitated head in the bathroom. True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true, 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 Man, true. what a rip off that movie is. <laughs> <laughs> I would say if House on Sorority Row was taking its 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 notes from the script for this movie, holy fuck, did they improve things? <laughs> I don't think they did. <laughs> you don't you don't like House on Sorority? No, Row? I love House on Sorority Row. I mean, I'm saying I don't think they took their notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, they definitely improved on House on Sorority. House on Sorority Row is really good. <laughs> But, Man, I love that movie. <laughs> but it's I, when I was watch, when I started watching this, I had not I did not have in my mind the release date on this, and I was like, shit, man, they're just copying House on Sorority Road and doing it in a shitty fashion. And to find out that it came three years earlier, mm-hmm. I, I was really shocked because mm-hmm. House Soror- yeah. on Sorority Road came out in '83. Yeah. Bit of a surprise. Yeah, I thought. But, I would, uh, but the, the the template is mm-hmm. in place. You've got the mm-hmm. prelude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sets up the revenge plot for the rest mm-hmm. of the story. Now one could say that. That is kind of set in place by Halloween. It's mm. kind of set in place by even Black Christmas to a degree. But it's bizarre how quickly those elements, those story elements, coalesced into some, you know, into a seventy thousand mm. dollar, you know, low budget production yeah. that most people have never even heard of, even if they're genre fanatics. Mm. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And there's a there's I want to give because again because we have slammed so many things that are bad ideas. I mean I I'll, I'll give uh, credit to a couple of things that uh, I thought were not expected. I didn't do what I was expecting is the fact that the character of Leah is actually allowed to quote unquote survive. Now her mind is totally gone, you know. Yeah, but I mean yeah. I thought that was an an interesting way to finish that character because all along her being the most outspoken and the most I'm the bad girl, you know, you just think like, oh, okay, well, she's going to die. She's going to die death. The fact that she way, yeah. is basically left insane but still alive, you know, that I thought was kind of a nice little, you know, twist or something I didn't expect. And they also 
uh, and this probably is, it may have something to do with it being early in the genre before this really became old hat, but I'm also glad they didn't do the, you know, oh, the killer, we've killed the killer five times, and yet here he's bouncing back up again, you know, that kind of thing. They <laughs> oh, that's do, true. Didn't yeah, do any of that, you know, dead. which you've come to expect, you know, so none of that happens, you know. So and I, I think this good. is the first killer Santa Claus, except for the Tales from the Crypt. And that's a good point too. I guess really, does it come before uh, the uh, the other like I guess well, before Christmas, Christmas Evil? Christmas Evil was the same year, but later in the year it didn't mm-hmm. come out in January. Mm-hmm. It came out in nineteen eighty, but not January. So that's interesting, mm-hmm. huh? Well, I mean, there's the and there's no you can fudge it with you can fudge it with Black Christmas, obviously. But there wasn't a killer Santa Claus. No, yeah. no, there wasn't. But I mean, there was a lot of. There's a lot of Christmas Christmas cosplay to it. Yeah, well, it's much more of a Christmassy kind of feeling yeah. film as far as than this one. But I, there really is just I had a problem with just there's never there's no real reason for them to dress as Santa Claus at all in this film, no, you know, no, because there's no. really there's really only a couple of places where there's even any point in them being in even having a costume at all. I mean, it's it's you know if you if you want to hide in a suit of armor or whatever, but but I mean in general, you know, the scene where the cop where one of the cops were you know he's dressed as Santa and he's able to approach the cop from the front, you know, yeah. and he's like, why are you wearing that stupid costume? He thinks it's the other cop and he um, kills him. Okay. Now that is one instance where him wearing some kind of costume fit, but in most other cases he kills his victims. They don't even see him, you know, don't see. Him. And even at the last when they're kind of, you know, menacing the last couple of people, I mean, there's, there's just, there's no real reason at any point for them to be wearing any costume at all, and especially not even uh, Santa Claus. I mean, it just doesn't tie in with with anything. That's what I'm talking like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, having some sort of Christmas related trauma in these other Christmas films we've seen is is a reason why the killer dresses that way. Well, we see when the boys come off the plane, one of them is wearing that Santa Claus costume, so they may have just felt it was convenient to wear. Convenient the to wear. But where mm-hmm. they get the other? Where they get the other? <laughs> and going and, back and maybe, to Leah, yeah. you see her. You see her dancing around right. some earlier in the film after she's loses yeah. her mind after yeah. the close encounter. Which oh, she's any, dancing again. Now. Yeah, she's right. dancing. She's in the white dress, dancing mm-hmm. on the balcony. Didn't she look to you just like Kate Bush at the end of the Wuthering Heights video? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's she's awesome. even doing the arm wave. Oh God, I didn't even think about that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, good catch. I did not even. But you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Only on the bloody pit. Yeah, you're going right. to get <laughs> such trenchant yeah. observations. <laughs> oh my lord! All right, folks. So tell me right now mm. where we fall on this. This is the first time any of us had mm. seen this movie. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a complete disaster, but no, it is not no. good. No, I, to me, and this this may be higher rating it than y'all would expect from what okay. I've said, but to me it's a classic five. I gave it up because I didn't hate it the first time I watched. I you know, I actually I had enough fun just because I have fun with these movies anyway. I mean, you know, yeah. when it's throwing the you know, sometimes when it's throwing the cliches at you, you you know, that's part of the fun in a lot of these, you know, when it's throwing in the setup and you recognize so much the setup, you know, the character types, you know, you're laughing at the character of Ralph and the mm-hmm. housekeeper and all these kind of, you know, standard stereotypes and Seeing where the film's going, who's you know who's going to live next, how many people are going to be killed. By the way, just in case anyone's interested, the body count is fourteen in this film altogether. <laughs> so, yes, which is respectable, respectable. But I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. The uh, it's not a film I ever would have watched a second time. Of course, I had to watch it the second time because we're doing the podcast on it. The second time through, <laughs> the second time through, I, you know, of course, I'm spotting even more problems, but it didn't become a worse or better film on the second time through. So to me, it just okay. kind of solidly. I can't imagine ever watching it again. You know, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want that part of my life back. You know that I spent too much, and so to me, it was just kind of right. It was a five. You know, I like some of the performances. Um, you know, and there are some, some, some nice ideas there. 
Eh, you know. So okay, that's kind well, of what you want to give me. Mr. Hudson. Troy stole my thunder there. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. I tell you. Edit that out. <laughs> We'd make a great pair of killers, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You killed our daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love the bit where Jennifer Rundy's like, um, this is my first year. I wasn't even here. Yeah, no, I know. Right. Yeah, I that know. is a great. This, and, this and, poor girl is like. And to be yeah, honest, she's, she's she's expressing the thing that yeah. is, is logical and she yeah, 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 like, like, had nothing to do with this. Well, and for that matter, did anybody freeze the frame to see if any of the other girls were in there? Because I, did. I didn't recognize no, any. I don't of them. think I didn't it would have done any good. I think that they intentionally shot that sequence so that it's really very difficult to see mm. any of the people's faces in that mm. that prelude mm. sequence. I don't think we're meant to see any of those faces, and I think that, that they're either trying to be clever in that then you don't know who might have mm. been there. Yeah, because it was, yeah. Two, it was two years before, so who yeah. knows? And and also, you know what I thought would have been kind of a neat thing that they if they could have done with the story would have been at some point, even if it just shows you without it necessarily being even something any of the characters realize. To show that what actually happened was the girl got a hold of the drugs, and it's, they weren't chasing her, they weren't tormenting her, they were trying to catch her. That would have been, was, that, that's, that would be interesting. And that so. makes it even more tragic that they're being have. blamed. If that I was, think that would have been kind of a neat. If that movie. was the film, that's a better movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that's but not this movie. That's not this movie. But anyway, so, but see, this is think. actually a great example of a film that could be remade. Yes, 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 it, yes it, yeah. it could. Yes, yeah, it could. Yeah. You, now you're Absolutely. stealing my thunder because that's gonna, that was going to be one of yeah. my final points. Because yeah. you know Hollywood wants to remake. Of course, there's zero name value right. in this movie. Yeah. No, of course. So it's, you know, it makes more sense for Hollywood to remake. Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, but this is but a it's been, black, but, it's been, but it's been okay. It's been it's okay now again to make Christmas horror movies. Yeah. You know, it has been yeah. the last few years. And so. this is a film that there there's enough there that mm-hmm. you could have a nice foundation and yeah. make a better movie out of it. Oh yeah. 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 Um and I think the kid who played Weasel in Last House on the Left is still alive. So he could he could direct it. <laughs> yeah, oh God, he'd be great. That'd be awesome. Because <laughs> Fred Lincoln or no, 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 I'm sorry. It's not Weasel. Was Fred Lincoln played Weasel? Mm. It was okay. Junior. Was the yeah, kid. Yeah, I'm right, sorry. Yeah. Fred Lincoln directed lots of other movies. You should look him up, Rod. <laughs> Let me guess. They were porno. They were. They were. Oh man. <laughs> Under F. J. Lincoln. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is my shocked face. <laughs> anyway, I also was going to give it a five. I thought okay. it was it was enjoyable enough. And second time through, I'm like, you. I saw some problems. Yeah. I also noticed a few things that, mm. like the wedding ring bit. Yeah, that's a, that's a good was a catch. Nice, that's nice. a, that yeah, is like a really that. good yeah, catch. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're, and um. I did watch to see is the killer. Do they ever cheat? Mm-hmm. And since they've got two killers, they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. Okay. Well, they don't that's have good. to yeah. because yeah. once you once there's a reveal of two killers, then it's a different. It's a it's a whole new ball game. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. Cool. So watching it, it, it does follow its own rules in yeah. that respect. So yeah, five. It was enjoyable enough. I since I bought a copy of it and my wife might be listening, I will definitely watch this again. <laughs> it was not. It was not <laughs> wasted money, sweetheart. Yeah, no, not at all. This was a good investment. <laughs> 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 well, I uh, do not fall on a five. I fell mm-hmm. uh, just a little beneath that. I gave. I end up giving it a four out of ten. Mm-hmm. I th- and I, and, I, and I can tell you why. Uh, my frustration with it, all my frustrations, mm-hmm. honestly come from the second half of the film, mm-hmm. where the film you re- it, it became very clear quickly that the normal structure of how these things are paced had been reversed for some reason. Mm-hmm. The first half of the film moves faster and better in, in a more sure-footed way, even with the mistakes that are there in the sloppy editing from time mm. to time, than in the second half. The second half, 
feels like the pacing of a first half. Yeah. Because suddenly there's a whole lot of why are we doing this? And yeah, so it, yeah. I began to feel like it was boring in the second half, which is really freaking weird yeah. for a thriller. This yeah. is a slasher film. For God's sake, the pace is supposed to pick up yeah. as different things are eliminated. But the bones of a good story are there. You're right. Mm-hmm. This would be perfect as a remake. Mm-hmm. If someone came in, took the rights to this, or the bare bones of the outline, I think at this point they wouldn't have to pay anybody to just mm-hmm. come in and just lay claim to the whole idea and the storyline. Mm-hmm. Because the storyline has now been done so many different times. Who the fuck is going to claim that you're stealing this yeah, idea? Right. Yeah. Name it you know, yeah. Christmas what the fuck. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. And you could build something off of this because the structure's just fine. Yeah. And the, the whole crux of having two killers... If you wanted to gussy it up, it could be three killers. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck knows? Do mm-hmm. something interesting. But the bones of a good film are there. The, the flub is in the editing and an inexperienced man behind the camera. Yeah. I don't I don't want to denigrate David well, Hess. Well, I was going to say that's this, not, There's a, probably a reason this was his only feature film mm-hmm. as a director. Mm-hmm. He He's not... The, the, the shot choices are not all that dynamic. Right. Uh, he's good. He seems to be good at framing and dealing with actors... But his uh, his uh, setup shots, his establishing shots, uh, often leave a lot to be desired. In that sometimes it's unclear where we are, yeah, and and where perhaps something is in relation to something else. Yeah, definitely. And so I feel that uh, it's it's on the technical end where this film falls apart. With a a more sure footed director, mm-hmm. this might have inched its way up to me for a five. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see somebody tackle this mm-hmm. as a remake. This this you're right. This is exactly the kind of film that should be remade because the bones are there. The the flesh never really got any growth. Yeah. It just doesn't. There, there's nothing there moving it around. There's no muscles. Yeah. But uh, it's. Not, I didn't feel it was a total loss. No. I, and I'm with Troy. I doubt I'll ever watch it again, except just possibly out of curiosity. Uh, maybe one day down the road when mm. you know I'm drunk and can't turn <laughs> the television off. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a possibility. I can see that. Mm-hmm. But. There you go. To All a Good Night, 1980. Hmm. I don't recommend it necessarily. I don't know. Do you guys, would you guys recommend it? No, this? no, but I, you know, but I mean, well, if you're a, if you're a slasher completist, you know, and just really trying to, to get you, then yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you could I, do I, worse, sure. I mean, yeah, there's certainly been bad, worse ones made. So. Oh, well, God, yes. Once you've gone through all your first tier, yeah. Once you've gone through all your first tier slashers, this one's worth checking out, but mm. there's a lot to see before this one. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. All right, well, folks, hold on. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and let you know what we will be up to on the podcast next time. Hey, I'm so glad you could make it. Welcome to my little podcast here, Bill Watches Movies. I'm Bill Mize, I'm the host and creator, and I'll be helping you today. Now, we're a podcast that's a little different from the other ones out there. We start off with a rich and aromatic blend of B-movie weirdness. Then we fold in some Hollywood history and biography. And finally, at the end, we sprinkle just a bit of old-time radio ambiance for that finishing touch. Now, we think that that unique combination will bring you an audio experience that you'll want to enjoy again and again. Each month, we'll serve up a story that will entertain you and bring a smile to your face. I do hope that you'll subscribe and try an episode. 
they're a wee bit naughty, but won't go directly to your waistline. Now, to learn even more, you can always go to our website, BillWatchesMovies.com, for show notes, blog posts, resources, and just general dorkitude. Now, I'm also on Twitter. Just search for Bill Watches Movies. I'm pretty easy to find, and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks again for checking us out. Relax, enjoy the music, and then enjoy the show. couple of months on the various shows not just here on the bloody pit but over on the nashi cast next on the nashi cast come early february we'll have the uh 10th anniversary episode of the nashi that's cast right. coming out <clears throat> i can't a believe it 10 yeah uh, we can't either <laughs> we're, a little surprised. Yeah, we're still yeah. friends after all this time it's like it's amazing <laughs> i can't believe that was it uh, eight, eight, was it like eight, <clears throat> eight or nine commentary tracks a couple <clears throat> hundred podcasts and neither of us have murdered the other <laughs> no i'll say it i'll say it here on the on the uh on the old interweb airwaves i'm proud of you boys y'all well, thank you y'all have done thank a good you. job appreciate that head I, I really am, y'all. I'm, I'm real proud of what y'all been able to make happen with that. Thank you. I don't think either of us thought it would last this Absolutely long. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I don't, I don't think that we thought we would continue We would continue for a decade of mm-hmm. doing podcasts, whether it was just NashiCast yeah, or switching thing. over and doing what we, the various strange things we've done over <laughs> here. But uh, it's... Uh, it's a it's a hell of a thing, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of proud of it myself. But right now, I'm just working really hard to try to make that tenth episode, that tenth anniversary yeah. episode, really, yeah. really kind of different and a little it's bit special. It's gonna be special. cool, cool folks. Y'all are gonna like it. Okay. But um, wanted to say what uh, that so that'll be over in the Nashi Cast feed come uh, first of February, and uh, after that, uh, Troy and I will be uh, back here on the Bloody Pit. Eventually, there might be another. There will definitely be another show in between. <laughs> Trust me, I've already got it in the can. Uh, there will be another show in between that. But the next in our uh, 1940s Universal Horror series is uh, it's a film you might have heard of. Yeah, there's some people who may have a couple probably of people seen might have. Yeah, you might have heard of this. It's uh, the Wolfman mm-hmm. from 1941. 
which is a biggie, and it's actually one of the biggest films that we'll cover as part of that series. It's uh, it's huge. Its ramifications are still being felt today, I would say. Uh, without that movie, I don't know that there would have ever been a uh, another werewolf film. Certainly, uh, Paul Nashie might not have made yeah. any, any, any werewolf films because we all know that the, the, the sequel to this was what inspired him to become mm-hmm. a filmmaker and inspired him to create Valdemar Donetsky. Well, and there'd have been no yeah. Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. And where would our lives okay, be? Okay, so we're going to lay cinematic <laughs> crimes at its feet. So that's, that's an interesting tack to take. I'm, I'm impressed with your thought process. <laughs> yeah, this film is kind of the... Uh... Uh, the, the one the one that stands out in this series we're doing because the real reason for doing the 40s series was to spotlight because these, so many of these films have not been talked about and are yeah. so overlooked this is obviously the complete opposite case and I have to admit I originally when we were doing this series I, I sort of wasn't looking forward to doing this film only because it, it unlike all the other films most of the other films we're talking about it has been talked about and written about and for there's years. that kind of thing about really say anything new about this but then Rod Oh yes, I threw, Ryan I threw, threw out the curve. fact that he's going to be saying some, let's just say, unpopular let's, opinions. On I will have a very specific unpopular opinion about the Wolfman, and uh, I will continue to stand by. Yes, it, so. uh, yes, uh, yes, about a certain performance in the film that is revered by, uh, by many, the rest of us. By many, yes, by many. But he and so I, I started thinking, I'm really looking for this because after this episode, my popularity ratings are going to like go through the roof, <laughs> and Rod's are going to just plummet, plummet, <laughs> plummet. Ooh. But I'm trying to think of a bad performance in that film, and I can't come up with one. So. It doesn't. Yeah, it's. it's oh, yeah, don't don't worry. I'll point. Yeah, you'll see. But you but, will. But when it's over, I'm. I have this image in my head of a black and white footage of Rod running through the woods with a, the angry villagers, the torches led <laughs> led by you and me. You know, like hunting him, <laughs> him down. So yes, that's just a little uh, little bait there for you folks to listen to. What what controversial opinion will Rod put forth that will forever tarnish his name in the world <laughs> of world of monster name. kids and and podcast. <laughs> Or, so, well, mm-hmm. with that, uh, with that amuse bouche placed before you, <laughs> setting you up for a meal of God knows what, I'm sure Troy thinks my meal will be one of crow. <laughs> it will not, sir. It will not. You shall hang yourself, and I shall be there. <laughs> hang yourself on online, and I shall be there to hear. But before, uh, well, oh, uh, in our next sit down with uh, Mr. Hudson, or at least my next sit down with Mr. Hudson, he and I will continue our series uh, focusing on the films of Antonio Margariti. Next time out, one of his science fiction epics from the 1960s, Battle of the Worlds, uh, from I think 62. No, 1961. Uh, from 1961, it may have not gotten over to the States until 62 or 63. I can't remember. But it does star Claude Rains. Which, he knows a thing or two about invisibility. Yes. <laughs> yes, he motherfucking does. <laughs> Just I'm warning you. This is, this is, this is like fair, fair warning like months in advance. Chill. No fucking... You know. I'm telling you. Don't. That, mm, there I should be the nothing left unseen in this. Next <laughs> I'm just saying that the man was Battle of the Worlds, yeah. 1961, Italian-made Antonio Margheriti science fiction film, from which, by the way, comes the phrase "The Outsider," which was the title of the documentary from a few years ago about the career of Antonio Margheriti. If you can track down that documentary, allow me to highly recommend it. It's about an hour long. It'll give you a great overview and some really nice insight into the workings of the Italian film industry and Antonio Margheriti in specific. Um, 
Plug plug the screen oh. magazine there. Well, since it's actually going to be on the stands. Yeah, good idea. Show it's the air. The latest issue of Scream issue thirty eight is on the newsstands now. Within it, uh, there are many things within it, but there's a uh, wonderful two page article by uh, my friend and yours, Adrian Smith, called Viva Margariti, where he takes a, a quick overview of a lot of the films that Margariti made and kind of grouping them into the various genres that he worked in. Uh, we're talking Eurospy, science fiction, giallo, westerns, jungle action, pulp adventures. Um, he pimps his uh, Bloggeriti movie blog that focuses specifically on just Antonio Margariti. And uh, so that's a scream with two E's. Number 38, you can find it at your local Barnes & Noble. Right and is there. this the newsstand edition, Rod? That is the newsstand edition. So the Doctor Sleep. Sleep will be the cover on this. So That is another Mark Maddox painting, of course. That man knows his way around a brush, doesn't he? He he yeah, ain't he's, he ain't bad. Look, there are a few gas pump girls in here. Too. <laughs> ooh ooh ooh! <laughs> and Circus of Horrors. <laughs> Circus of Horrors. Gas pump girls. Now that's a good movie. <laughs> okay, so right now we have mm-hmm. we have Hudson off to the side perusing my issue of Scream. So folks, we want to thank you all for listening. Hope you'll tune in for the various shows that are coming up. The next episode of the Bloody Pit will actually be. Uh, the return of Derek Cook as we finally sit down to continue our series of podcasts on the Western films that William Castle made for Columbia in the 1950s. Uh, we're doing them two at a time, and the two this time are The Gun That Won the West and The Battle of Rogue River. We liked one more than the other, and I think the discussion will interest you because, well, these B programmers are actually kind of fun, especially when you start digging into the casts. Ah, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, each one remember 70 minutes long, yeah. so it's not like it's really hard to watch them. And they're kind of fun. And you can see the, the bare bones of how somebody like Castle both learned his craft and why he might want to break away mm-hmm. and do his own thing so that he can you know, make himself some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, so next time, next episode, Derek Cook and I talk about some William Castle Westerns from the 1950s. And uh, I just want to say... Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. I am Rod Barnett. I'm John Hudson. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we'll see you next time. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Piss your pants. Go, 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 through go, go. the snow on a one-horse Get open ready. sleigh. We're going now. We're going now. We're go. laughing all the way. Hells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What better is to ride safe? A sleigh dog today. Bills we go, laughing all the way. Bells and bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride sing a swing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle, 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 jingle. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank, misfortune seemed as luck. We gotta do a drifted bank, and then we got upset. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells.
slaying song in a bobtail bay. 240 as a speed. Hitch him to an open slaying crack. You take the lead. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on one horse open sleigh. Okay, now, Bill, now! Jingle Bell! 